Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. We're almost halfway into the season. This is your captain speaking, Debbie Buyaki. Welcome aboard. Today, we'll be taking a flight over nature's view, kicking off from Nairobi, making a stop at Jenda, and finally landing at the closure of the whole topic in relation to episode four, which, by the way, I advise you to listen to because this episode is going to have a connection to it. So I hope you enjoy this climate journey story. Seatbelts on and wheels up. Hello everyone, and this episode we're picking it off from where we left, as I mentioned, in episode four, and with the same term, exacerbate. So I implore you to go back and listen to the previous episode if you already haven't, to be able to grasp the continuity of this episode. So always, I said I'll try to make episodes independent if you're just here to find out what climate change and gender and how they cross paths. Well, this is here like a short summary of what we talked about in the previous episode, just so you can bring you up to speed. So climate change, peace, security, they affect the area and the people involved in those areas by making the pressure become worse in certain situations. So my hypothetical situation and scenario was about a community that lives in a dry area and whose main trade and means of livelihood generally is livestock keeping. So climate change comes in with a huge drought or flood in some cases, and most of the animals, they die. And the people there having to depend on the little that is remaining have to fight for the resources available to support that livelihood. So be it water, be it fodder and grass, and food for themselves as well. They have to kind of have the survival for the fittest type of me uh, mentality to come and survive in such situations where long-term climate change effects are being felt, maybe going into years. So when this weakness comes into play and there has been historical weaknesses as well, such as political, in representation, economic, um, marginalization, where the facilities or hospitals or schools are less in that area because of such historical marginalization. Climate change comes now to bring all these factors into light. And with more of this type of relation where they have to fight for resources or they have to forcefully move out to a different area to look for resources, they continue with the same cycle of making the pressure become worse. And by this, we have raids and deaths when people try to protect themselves from people using force and they too protecting themselves using force. And that's where the whole issue of arms and illegal trading comes in, you know, insecurity. It's a whole thing. I honestly advise you to go back to episode four and check out what we were speaking about and jump in on climate change and gender as we will be continuing. First of all, before we proceed, I'd like to bust some myths anything busts. The term gender is not equivalent to whatever society really thinks about. So gender doesn't mean women or men in that sense. The term gender is more of a social rather than biological term. Gender is what we are taught that this gender does this and this gender does this. So we are born as assigned male or female, not woman or man. So male and female is what we would uh, 
call the sex of, a, of an individual. Man or woman is what we call the gender. So I hope you're getting the differences. What we confuse the term gender is what we call sex in human beings. So gender is what we taught, the roles we're, we're assigned to as opposed to what we are born as. Am I making sense? The uh, gender is sociologically taught. For example, girls will become children. Boys will be rough children. Women should do this. Men should do this. Because by the virtue of that, they are men or women. This is not inborn. It's something that we are taught. So don't be mixing up the two terms in reference to gender and the sex of an individual. Get your English right. Anyways, now, as we move on, when we come to the family setting, and this is now to pick up with the last hypothetical scenario, the family setting is the backbone of every society. And when faced with such catastrophic, um, initially existing or worsened climate change calamities, tough decisions have to be made. So in every... I think it's not only in families, even for individuals. If something happens, it gets to a point where you just have to make tough decisions for the benefit of your survival, depending on the difficulty of how the climate change adversity is and how worse it is. And I remember I'm speaking all this from a scenario that is currently existent and ongoing. And it just, it's just not something that's hypothetical as much as I'm labeling it as that. It's something that's on the, ground, on the ground and something that's being faced in different countries across the world. So climate migration comes into place, all right, when you talk about gender and climate change. So hold on tight as we break this down. Leaders of a household, and this can be anyone, a man or a woman, just leaders of a household will need to make tough decisions and... Specifically now looking into our scenario where the main source of livelihood is pasture and livestock. So pegging all this on that, the man in most cases in these communities, which assign the man as the leader of the household, in most cases they remember um, gender in nomadic communities will live with the man and the male gender will live to find greener pastures for the remaining livestock, all right? These are the tough decisions they have to make. They can no longer just sit there and wait to die. We have to go to somewhere where we think we can find better grass and better solutions and better pasture for our livestock, which is our main source of livelihood. And then in due course, come back and get the rest of the family. So the man or the leader of the family will first of all live solo and then just go wander about Asking, asking, and see if there's a place where there's water or there is uh, resources where some few animals in the family can survive. Then they will return to tell their families and by this, live again with the male children with the animals at this point. So at first he went alone. The second time, when he comes back, he will come back for his boys and the livestock that remain, if they actually do. So now this is where the dynamics start kicking in. So this leaves the ladies in this community, which basically are assigned the role of caregivers. So this leaves the ladies and the girls and the infants in the home. Remember the scenario, the mother now has turned to be the head of the household and where there's constant raids and fights. 
for resources, gunshots and all that. So the ladies are now left in charge. So she now has to play the multiple, if not all, of the major roles of the family. She has to be provider, protector, caregiver, mother, comforter, and all the wonderful things that women in our lives are. And this is where basically climate change comes into contact with the different gender assigned to different individuals and how they kind of swap or diverge as well, as well in the wake of climate change. So what happens now to the supposed gender roles ascribed to women in such a case? They become fluid. They just, you, as a lady in this point, you have to play all the roles and it also entails learning new skills. And now that the scenarios are usually quite chaotic and guns have to be acquired, she now has to learn how to use weapons. She now has to learn how to flee with her belongings, something that, you know, most of the men would do. But now that the man is away looking for a way to survive and later on come back for the ladies and the children in the home, she now has to step up and a round of applause for women because they are such diverse and strong individuals in the society and quite the backbones of a lot of things that we foresee or don't foresee daily. And I bet some of you didn't know such things actually happen. They actually do. This is now in the household, right? One example of the household. So can you imagine if in this community there are 500 or there are 1,000 families that exist in these regions. Because in this country, these regions consist of different tribes, and tribes go into thousands, all right? So this scenario is happening at the same time to all these thousands of families. And all this has to be mitigated and solutions have to be done. So what happens to all the men and the boys who migrate to a different zone or a different um, country to that extent to look for pasture and food? and leaves a whole village of women and children and girls to defend themselves and to fend for themselves in the meantime, still having the climate change issue on no resources and scarce amenities. So what happens in, in such scenarios? So climate change makes these roles become unbalanced and more or less just in existence. The males, when they go to a different locality to look for food, that's a new role. In the initial setup, if I may just describe, the ladies are the ones who used to go to, you know, fetch water and look for food, then come back and prepare the food. But in this case, when climate change comes, it becomes a complete swap. So the men are the ones now wandering in the wilderness looking for water and food. And the ladies now are back in the villages being the, the quote-unquote army and protectors of their resources and families. So climate change and gender intersects in the parts that they bring complete swaps in certain scenarios, of course, of the setup and the runnings of different societies. If we go deeper into power roles, which is, I know, such a difficult topic to, but I will try and bring that situation aboard. If we go deeper into the power roles and the power shifts that comes, if the female is now carrying out most of the tasks, where does the power of the family or the head of the family truly and really lie when it comes to climate change? Who now is the boss? But anyway, that's a different story and let's not argue about that. So when gender and these other factors of identity intersect, it can create multiple layers of marginalization and compounding discrimination. As we have seen, gender roles, 
in the face of climate change become almost void. What you were taught as a young girl, especially in this community, that this is what you will do. And then when you live to up to your teenage years and climate change hits, what you were taught for so many years ends up being quite fluid and inexistent. You have to learn new roles. And this shift in balances places more work on one gender and vice versa. So there's a lot of shifting and unfamiliar grounds that climate change brings to the roles of individuals and families. And now as we get to maybe coming towards a conclusion as well of how climate change exacerbates everything gender, peace, and security. This was a two-part episode, remember. Climate change does affect different and even at times unrelated thematic areas of life. Who would have thought like climate change would just like change a whole family setup and the way of life, you know, the culture and traditions of a whole community and by that effect, a whole society. So climate change brings this into light as well as the peace and security side. It brings all these gaps and marginalization margins up to the surface and we now get to see how we need to fix society at the bottom so that when outside pressures really come in, we have no case of disunity or problems because we already have strong foundations. It brings to light already existing gaps and inequalities among vulnerable and sensitive communities. And this comes back to the case on climate change does not affect everyone equally, but that still does not mean it doesn't exist. So most of the communities affected in this way in relation to peace, security, and gender are the most vulnerable communities. And we can have a whole debate in relation to the indigenous communities and how they are the least contributors to the effects of climate change and greenhouse gas emissions, but they are the most affected. So these sensitive communities, these vulnerable communities, are the ones who face most of the issues of climate change. For example, maybe other, let's say, developed or advanced societies, they don't have to look for water for the animals. They don't have to look for food, quite literally, on foot for kilometers. So, But the communities that are being affected this way are the ones facing the effects of climate change. Climate change being brought about by our ways of life and industrial revolution, greenhouse gas emissions through industries, deforestation, they don't contribute to any of that, but look at how climate change brings all this manipulation and imbalances in their whole way of life. So kind of interesting to kind of see how intricate climate change boils down from the top to the bottom to everyone. And coming now to me, what can I do about it? Not only I, but you as a listener as well. You need to put local leaders to check. And this is also for communities facing these problems. And I'm so grateful at the big opportunities that and clamor that we're having with indigenous peoples really fighting for their rights and being given the opportunity as well by the quote-unquote biggies of the planet to voice their struggles and contribute to the solutions as well. So this is the same thing that needs to boil down to such communities of vulnerable and sensitive areas. They need to put their government in check. Government resources need to be distributed equally to every tax-paying citizen. There is no way I should pay taxes and the same amount as someone living in the city, in a big city, and I have to walk for 10 kilometers to access 
a medical institution and they can just drive or, you know, take a walk to it. The government needs to assess the situations on the ground and give each taxpaying citizen an equal opportunity to life because that is a right and it's not begged for. A right is demanded for. Who determines whether a region or a place should have one hospital and another region should have like 15,000 hospitals? It's the government who belittles the right to a clean and healthy environment, which, by the way, as of 2022, the UN did approve it as um, a full-fledged right that you are entitled to a clean and healthy environment to pursue a decent life. It was voted for, by the way, by most of the countries present. So who determines this if not the government? And who belittles the right of life to all citizens equally in a free country? These are things that we need to have honest conversations about. It's not right for people to die of resources that should be availed to them and for rights that need to be given to them because by the virtue of being human being, it is the silence and inaction of their leaders that cause some of these harms. When a budget is allocated, let them be the first to yell of the suffering of their people and let them be the first to advocate for their rights and the individuals because by virtue of the location, they're already disadvantaged. So let the leaders also step up and see what they can do. Let's speak up for the people who have such inequalities and let the leaders elected by them also speak up for their people because that's the main reason they were put there. If this does not work at the end of the day, especially in my country with our new constitution, power belongs to the people. They and they alone should demand for better living conditions. It is their right. It is a right to life. Hear this all ye. You know, it's like a call to everyone. Just if you cannot step up for them, then I hope their leaders can step up for them or they too can step up for them because they have the power in their hands and they have the legal backing if they decide to pursue this. So I hope you now understand all this. This is to wrap up that climate change in terms of gender, peace, security, it brings forth the inequalities that already exist at the bottom. It brings them to chance at the top and it makes everything worse. It increases the pressure and exacerbates worse situations of marginalization. So thank you for listening. I hope you understood the different twists and turns of climate change, gender, peace and security. All these actions are doable, all right? And there's hope at the end of the day. See you in the next flight. Thank you.